and welcome to Odd Spots. I'm Ryan Mullen, and this is my podcast where I'm talking to people in a different place every time. On this episode, I talked to Jennifer Whiteford, who is a comedian here in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, we did this episode in what seemed like it would be a great spot for uh, for volume. We left one place because it was too busy, and the spot didn't have many people. And then, of course, uh, the the people in the kitchen decided to clean dishes as loud as possible. So you'll hear that. That's just how things work. We actually ended up talking uh, a little bit uh, for a while after the podcast was done. And that's when it felt like they were done cleaning the super loud dishes. That's just how things work sometimes. I, I, I'm i still trying to figure out this hosting thing, how to host a podcast. So you'll hear us talking about a, a book that she wrote and wouldn't you know it, I never once asked her the name of the book. So I'm going to say it off the top. Uh, her book was called Girl, spelt G-R-R-R-L, like in the Riot Girl fashion. So definitely, you can actually check that out. She said uh, it's at the available at the Ottawa Public Library. Uh, this is not the first time you'll hear about the library. So I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. I'm here with Jennifer Whiteford. Jennifer, where are we? What does it look like? And what are the sounds that we might be hearing throughout this podcast? Well, we are at a place called Working Title Cafe. It's in Sandy Hill. It's in the basement of a very, 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 very old church. So the walls are stone and there are brick columns everywhere. And there's a few other people here and a little bit of kitchen noise and maybe some background hums from the the kitchen and cooking implements but that's it it's nice and cool yeah it is cool um i've never been to a restaurant or place under a church before <laughs> this is an interesting setup so i did hear some people, people might be walking above us might hear yeah, that also exciting. have you ever been to this church or you've been here before i have been in this building before uh for a number of different occasions for various events it's kind of been for a while like sort of a community hub where there are different events and okay. uh, organizations that use different spaces here okay mm-hmm. you said you'd been here because there was a preschool Yes, uh, my job is that I'm a uh, inspector for childcare centers. That's my day job, um, and there used to be a childcare center here. Okay, so Waldorf School. And so, is that like a food inspector at restaurants? Like you're checking to make sure everything's up to state, up to quality, to be safe or it's, clean? It's a little bit more of a combination between like that and an auditor and an advisor. Okay. So we look at health and safety stuff, but we also look at uh, paperwork and record keeping, and then we also look at. Uh, what are the interactions between the staff and the kids? What okay. are they doing on a daily basis? There's a huge component. And how are you like doing that? Because uh, at Algonquin, there's a program where you get to like look through a mirror to watch <laughs> the people interacting with the kids. Oh, yes, and so that's yes. how, like the teachers, you can like listen in. Yeah. How are you being able to listen to someone interacting with the kid without you being like there watching overhead yeah. and hearing everything? That's a good question because uh, I... I, over years, I've been doing this for about 13 years. So okay. over that period of time, I've developed my own systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times if you're an inspector and people know you're there and know you're an inspector, they might behave differently than they would yeah. normally. So what I like to do is I have to do a lot of paperwork. So I try and do that in a room that that I can hear what's going on, but, um, but I'm not necessarily there and present. So I'm not really disrupting what's happening. Yeah. Uh, but I can still hear if there are whatever's happening. I can like listen to staff talking to kids and enjoy okay. kind of that. And, um, yeah. And I mean, uh, we, 
uh, I'm just, I've gotten used to it over the years. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, you're one of those uh, book readers. You, <laughs> yes. you read a lot of books. I do you've read, read it's books. August and you've read 38 books yeah, this I'm year. On, yeah, I'm on number what's, 39 now. What's your average like per year? I'm guessing you've been keeping track for at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think about, uh, ooh, I was gonna say seven years, but it must be eight or nine okay. years now. Yeah. And what's your average? What do you usually get to? Or do you have a goal that you're trying to reach? I set a goal every year, but mm-hmm. it's always different. Uh, I would say my average was probably about 50, except for I had children, and uh, that knocked me down uh, severely for a few years. But in the recent years, I've definitely been doing, like, I think I've been going up by 10 every year. So, uh, you know, two years ago, my goal was 40, and I reached it. Last year, it was, I think I said 52, just like a book a week. Okay. Uh, And I got there, and then I figured, well, if I got to 52, I can get to 60. So this year, my goal is 60. So. And what kind of books are you reading? I read a lot of fiction and novels. Uh, I also read graphic novels, which is great Mm -hmm. because it kind of keeps you uh, moving because you can read those really fast. Yeah. Um, if I'm ever at the end of the year and I'm not close to meeting my target, I'll just like get a stack of graphic novels. Get some really short books. Blow through them. <laughs> to yeah. say technically I've read <laughs> 15 books this but, week. But the thing is I can read a good novel in less time than I can read a crummy graphic novel. Okay. Like it, it all depends on how much, how engaging it is and how much I want to read it. Are you a fast reader or is this just your main, one of your main things? Like you're not watching TV shows, you're reading books. Uh, no, I watch TV yeah. shows sometimes. Not, not as much yeah. as, uh, as you know, whatever, uh, I used to, or, you know, I definitely am not a huge TV watcher. Uh, but I, I just, I am a fast reader, I think to a certain degree, but I also just, I read at a lot of times where maybe other people don't read. Yeah. I read, uh, while I'm waiting for pasta water to boil or I read while I'm waiting in line in a, you know, store or a coffee shop or. Have you ever read while walking or driving? I haven't read while I have been driving. I used to read while I walked to school, yeah. and I got made fun of. <laughs> um, and I and I often wish I could read while I walked. Like if I have mm-hmm. to walk somewhere, I either wish, oh, I wish I could actually read and do this competently, uh, or I wish, oh, I wish I automatically had the audiobook of this book I'm yeah. reading so that I could just listen. Just go to that. Yeah. In between, yes. just for that specific section. Yes. That's my uh, fantasy technology development. Mm-hmm. Is someone. Uh, like you get a download card when yeah. you get a novel and you can just, and it tracks your progress. So yeah. when I finish reading page 50 and then I want to walk somewhere, I just turn on the audiobook and it starts at page 50 and then that's a good idea. I'm forth. sure many people would do that or <laughs> I, I would just many focus. People would. <laughs> I think, but people like maybe big readers like yeah. yourself who are just constantly trying to read, but can't cause you, you have yeah. to do something to in your life. Something else. Well, yeah. like that, that's, I don't read a lot. Yeah. I, I, I this year I've read, if I'm going to read something, 80% of the time, it's Stephen King. Okay. Um, what he's do you think about writer. him? Yeah. I, I think he's a good writer. He wrote one of the best books about writing. Oh, uh, on writing. About lear- yeah, yeah, about learning I, I to be a writer. I listened to the audiobook of yes, that. there you <laughs> and go. And I really liked it. Yeah. I really liked it, too. I think, I think he just had some really good, uh, really interesting personal stories and then mm-hmm. really good tips on how to be a writer. I think the biggest thing I got from it was whenever I've tried writing something, I make something too big. Yeah. It, it becomes too huge, and then it's <laughs> overwhelming, and I don't do it. Yeah. Because it's just, it becomes too much well he uh had a lesson of saying like you should just kind of find an interesting story and then start doing it and then he you learn on the way yeah. of what's happening and then later in like a revision or an edit you can go back and make oh here are some themes well i used to be like these are my themes i want to do but if you just you could find them in the writing yes. afterwards in an edit mm-hmm. do you write yes. like actual like i know you're writing a bunch of stand-up but yeah are you writing stories or? Uh, i used to write a lot of stories i actually wrote a novel that was published when i was 
30. So I okay. guess that's like almost 15 years ago now. Okay. Um, and that was uh, like a young adult novel. Um, and I always thought, oh, I'm going to be a writer. I want to be a novelist. Mm-hmm. That's going to be my thing. But after I wrote one book, I was sort of like, I really don't want to write anymore. Like I wanted really? to, I wanted to have written okay. another book, but I didn't actually want to do the work of writing it. For I sure. found it um, incredibly stressful, and my confidence was low about it. And I just, it, it was so unappealing to me to even do it. Okay. That I, after you know a number of years of beating myself up for it, I thought, oh, maybe this just isn't what I'm actually meant to do. Hmm. And but I like stand up because I like. I still like writing and solving yeah. puzzles through writing, like figuring out what the right word is here and yeah. figuring out how to fit these things together. Uh, stand-up's just way more satisfying for that. Like uh, because of the instant feedback, like you could come up with something and then do the joke that night yeah. and then instantly find out while well, a book, like you don't know and you're second-guessing yourself. Yeah, is there's that, that. But also with a book, it's like a huge, it's hundreds and hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. Stand-up, you can write a joke that's two minutes long, uh, try it out, and if it doesn't work ditch it and write another joke that's two minutes long yeah uh it's just so there's so much more turnover and it's quicker and easier and i just i find it so much more satisfying okay cool how did you get into doing stand-up uh i have been like a fan of stand-up since i was a little kid really yeah. like there wasn't a lot of stand-up that you could access when i was a kid in the 80s like sure. the early 80s uh but there was some um People have been talking a lot about Eddie Murphy lately, and he kind of had the two like stand-up specials that you could rent at the video store at the oh, time. Yeah? So I remember renting those and watching them. Um, my family flew a lot because we traveled a lot, and sometimes on airplanes they would have like a channel that you could listen to. This is pre like <laughs> we didn't even have CDs at this point. Okay. So this is like pre um, satellite radio, pre iPad, okay. like pre uh, iPhone, all that stuff. Um, but they would have like radio channels that you could listen to while you're on the plane with your headphones. Of stand-up specials? Sometimes or there was albums? a stand-up channel. Okay. And it would be, uh, I think it would be whole albums mm. uh, or maybe just like sections of okay. bits. But I remember listening to that whenever I could on the plane. Like it was like discovering the best treat. It was like, oh my God, cool. I get to listen to this stuff. Uh, probably some of it also wasn't appropriate for, for sure. a kid. So that was probably but maybe exciting You still don't too. get it. Like yeah, I think it just would go over my head. I uh, found stand up accident when I was a kid because I was looking on the channels and I found Gotham live at Gotham. Okay, and so I was like Batman, <laughs> and then it was people at a club called Gotham yeah. in New York, and yeah. I was like, what is going on? And I just stayed on the channel and was watching it. Like I, I realized that a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. I was watching it super young, and I again didn't get yeah probably I any think. of the jokes. I just liked the idea. People were laughing at yeah. something that's funny. That yeah, maybe there's I'll something very out. appealing to it, and I realized like over time that a lot of what I liked uh, was basically stand up like my fa- I was a big Saturday Night Live fan but mm-hmm. my favorite part of it was always Weekend Update which is yeah. essentially stand up um, I really you know enjoyed some of the like late night talk shows like Letterman and things like that but it was the monologues that I liked and that was really? the same kind of thing is like basically that's yeah. that's the stand up portion of that um, and then you know in recent years it's become just a lot easier to find stand up for sure it's in a boom now it's podcast yeah. I'd say. and yeah exactly podcasts and netflix and like albums and spotify and all that stuff and so uh i think i was reading a book a few years ago by phoebe robinson do you know phoebe robinson i may kind of recognize the name but i'm not okay. too familiar she was they, she had a podcast called two dope queens with uh, i've Jessica heard of Williams. that yeah, yeah. Okay. and they uh had comics on all the time and uh it was a stand-up comedy live podcast and they were both stand. Well, she's a Phoebe Robinson is a stand-up as well. Okay. Uh, so she wrote a book called uh, 
You Can't Touch My Hair, I think is the, is the okay. full title. I may be missing one or two words in there. Um, and I read that and she talked about how she got into stand-up and she said she had this like great respectable job that was like totally reasonable, uh, but she uh, didn't like it. And so she was thinking she wanted to do something that she actually liked and the thing she liked at the time was she liked doing stand-up. So okay. uh, after I read that, I was like, oh, like I don't really like, uh, I, I don't hate my job, but today I'm not having a very good day. Yeah. I wonder what I would like to do. And I was like, well, I really like comedy. Um, so I sort of impulsively Googled like stand-up comedy classes because yeah. I didn't just want to go somewhere and do it. I was kind of terrified of that. For sure. Uh, and the Improv Embassy ended up, they had a workshop that was coming up that was that was just for women. Uh, and it was one afternoon and it was 30 bucks. And it seemed like a really like low uh, risk kind yeah. of possibility. And uh, so I went and did that. And then they were running like just little shows every few weeks. Um, that where they'd have a, a stand-up component and so I started doing those shows and then um, I try I was like well I'm I'm good now <laughs> I'm gonna go cool. out and do other yeah. shows and I wasn't good yeah. I, I was terrible and I uh, I had just been doing stand-up in a really friendly supportive environment which mm -hmm. is amazing like I would never take away from that yeah but if you want to get better you have to leave the nest and so I did a couple of shows of the local indie shows first and then uh, a couple of the club shows but I ended up just like bombing a few times and then that was really motivating to actually get better. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then now you actually teach that same class that you took? No, it's not the same okay. one. Uh, it's the, it's more involved. This one, okay. it's like an eight week uh, stand up class at mm -hmm. the Improv Embassy. I taught it once. I'm not actually going to be teaching it in the new year because okay. I just don't have enough time, unfortunately. Okay. But I do really like teaching and I am a big comedy nerd. So I was mm -hmm. very excited to teach that and kind of try and impart that like love and excitement yeah. onto students. Um, and so I enjoyed it and I had a great class. Cool. But uh, but it's yeah, it's just too much of a demand on my time, unfortunately. And what was that like? Did you... Were you able to actually learn anything? Did you see anybody do anything cool that you hadn't seen before oh, or, yeah. or concepts or yeah. premises? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that I know are weaknesses in the way I write and the way I perform. Oh, yeah. um, one is I'm not a great actress and I'm not very courageous uh, the way people are who do improv and, and uh, can sort of get up there and come up with something on the fly and act yeah, okay. and be a different person. I am... Uh, I just immediately get super scared when I try and do that. I'm fine being on stage because I feel like I'm just being myself and talking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, any kind of acting I find very stressful. So there were a few people in the class who were did come from an improv background mm -hmm. and were just so great at doing like kind of character work and having personas on stage. Yeah. Um, that it was amazing to watch. And then cool. another thing that I have is that my comedy's not very absurd. It's pretty straight up. Like yeah. I don't do stuff that's uh, silly or really far reaching and I really admire comedians like that and so there mm -hmm. were a couple of people in, in the class who had kind of that spark to do something that was just delightfully weird and okay. I really enjoyed watching them work too because it's so different from how I work. Uh, one thing I really like about stand-up is you actually, I've actually learned something from your set. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I learned the term gaslighting, I believe. Really? Yeah, I think set? that was from wow. yours. And so I didn't find that so weird and cool where you're, like, yeah. <laughs> you're explaining something and then you actually <laughs> learn about things that other people said just going out. Uh, and I thought that was a kind of cool, weird thing. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm having fun and learning. <laughs> 
weird. Well, I think, I mean, part of writing good good stand-up for me is having a message and thinking about, if I'm lost with a joke, I sort of think like, well, what do I actually want to say? You mm-hmm. know, um, not the actual words, but what's the feeling? What's the idea that I want to convey in this joke? And I think some of those jokes, um, if you can do them in a sly way, they, they are not going to be an issue for people, even if they don't agree with you. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, that's one of my favorite things is to find a way to tell a joke that's very feminist or, um, you know, has is pointing out some things that I find that I have issue with in the world, uh, but doing it in a way that people aren't immediately going to think like, oh, this. Yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah. This is, yeah. Like I was working on a bit this morning while I was hanging laundry on the line, um, thinking about how like um thinking about that expression boys will be boys which is sort of like now being ridiculed because yeah. it basically means you know boys don't have the capability to act decent mm-hmm. um and i thought how funny it would be if in, if like i talked or, or if people instead just said like basically the meaning of that phrase is men are fucking idiots <laughs> like, <and I laughs> yeah thought, okay nobody's nobody would use a phrase like men are fucking idiots yeah uh with the regularity that we say boys will be boys mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe there's something in there where I can talk about it and how, you know, maybe do some kind of like mislead where it sounds like I'm talking about this being like a hysterical thing. And, you know, this is just an innocent expression. And really, it just means that men are idiots. And like, yeah. why don't we just say that? instead? Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to put it together. Okay. I think I'm going to give it a shot. Cool. We'll <laughs> how do you write a joke like how were you thinking of that you're just like oh like it was a premise or you're like well, i find i usually it's when i'm talking to someone yeah. I, I make them laugh I'm like hold on i yeah. have to like write that down is that a big way or do you sit down to write something uh sometimes i sit down to write something but usually if i do that it's because a premise has come to me yeah. and i haven't had time to address it um i keep notes if something comes up and i'm like oh no that's good um, usually I'm working off a story, something that's happened to me and mm-hmm. either it's something that was funny to begin with, or it's something that's kind of infuriating. Yeah. Uh, and how can I turn that into a joke? And so a lot of my set is like, you know, things that people have said to me that bothered me mm-hmm. or things that have happened that are ridiculous or whatever in it. And so I keep note of that. And then if I do want to write some new material, I'll sit down and be like, okay, I have this thing that happened. How am I going to turn this into a joke? And some are very natural. Like my closing bit right now is about my son eating mushrooms in the park by accident and having to go to the hospital. Um, And basically while I was sitting in the hospital, I was writing that bit in my head. Like as soon as I knew he wasn't going to die, I'm not not a terrible person. (laughs) But as soon as I knew he was okay, I was like, okay, of course this is going to be a bit and how am I going to write it? Um, And most of it was written by the time I left the hospital. Wow. That's a weird thing now, just to be in the middle of like a bad circumstance and then be like, "Oh, this is a great yeah. bit. This is oh. like this is an awesome story to tell." It's like, like it's a weird. <laughs> that's a yeah. weird thing to, to it's think. It's so true. It's a comedian disease that <laughs> yeah. we all have now. And I mean, a little while ago, uh, this garbage truck ran through my neighbor's house. It was like a yeah. super random weird thing that happened, and it like plowed across my lawn, and yeah. we had to move out of our house for two. Anyway, it was just like a full yeah. disaster. But I think I would say between seven and ten comedians messaged me within the first two days either saying they were jealous of me for having all this new oh material my God. or pitching jokes to me about yeah it. jealous of that happening yeah. to you yeah for the awesome story that's what they didn't have to us. go through yeah that's who we are <laughs> yeah. as comedians <laughs> wow how long did that take for you to realize that that could be a bit like, right after you hear that but everything is okay again i think I think it took a little longer, yeah. to be honest. Like, when people started pitching it, like, I think, of course, I knew that this immediately, be like, this will be something. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I, there was no way I was going to be thinking about it lightly for the first little while. Yeah. It was just way too stressful. And how did you, um, was that a phone call you got? Well, yeah, it's a little funny. My brother is a paramedic. So okay. he was called to the scene uh, cause they didn't know if anyone was hurt or not. Wow. So when he saw it, he sent me a message right away. I was at work and he was like, I think there's something going on with your house. Like, the, and what he said was like, Oh, a truck ran into, uh, you know, and he gave the address next to my yeah. house. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, I didn't really think it was a big deal. And then he was like, eh, I think you better come home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's how we found out. And then it was basically just everything takes so long. Like, it took forever for them to tell us if we were going to be allowed back in, then forever yeah. for us to find a place to live for oh, two weeks. And my God. Anyway, it and was no fun. You had just gotten your lawn done? or like we Well, we had just put sell. our house up yeah. for sale. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that oh was my a God. pain. Yeah, it's still... Still, there's still waves of it being a pain in the ass that are happening every day. <laughs> I had a, a coworker of mine lives in the area, and she said she had seen it and she felt bad yeah. for, for the house for you guys. Yeah. Like she was like, "Oh, I just went up, and yeah, that that really that is a bad pain." Timing, I'd actually sure. seen you do a set, I think, later that week, and you were like, "Oh, I, my joke book is, <laughs> is stuck in the house." It's true. <laughs> I didn't have my joke book. Oh, I was so annoyed. Yeah, yeah. I like you. They, we only had five minutes to grab stuff, yeah. and I was thinking more about getting pajamas <laughs> for my kids. That than is a my good joke call. Book. Yeah. But yeah, I wish your I had priorities. that joke book. Yeah, I had to go buy a new one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your? How old are your kids? They are uh, right now four and six, but four they're six. pretty close to five and seven. Okay. Yeah. And what do they think about you doing stand up? They uh, they like it. Um, they they have very complex feelings about it. Yeah. Because it does mean that I'm away from the yeah. house quite often, um, and if I'm doing too much of it in too concentrated a period of time. Mm-hmm sometimes they'll complain about it um, because I'm not there at bedtime. But I try and do shows where I leave after they go to sleep. uh, And that helps a little bit. It's a bit of a rush and it's not as much fun for me because I tend to... (coughs) Sorry, I tend to like skid in just like right before my set. Sure, yeah. Rather be a little more relaxed about it. Um, But it's worth it to me if I'm there with them. They, uh, They like to tell me jokes. And I think they envision my act as being all like... Uh, kind of one-liners and yeah, okay. and set up punchline and knock-knock yeah. knock jokes and things because those are the only <laughs> kind of jokes they need. Yeah. If I ever mention that I tell that I tell stories about them, mm-hmm. they look very suspicious. Yeah. Of like what that could even be. <laughs> so yeah, they uh, but they think it's neat. They they know that there's comedy competitions. They're yeah. always interested in how I do there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think for them now. It's just really just become a part of their life. For sure. Yeah. That's that's so interesting to hear from that that perspective, like yeah. knowing you're in a joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have that with people in my life, too. They're yes. like, oh, I'm in your jokes. On the, I'm, and they're not invited because no. it would be weird to have them there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really depends. Some people love it. Like if, uh, yeah, if anyone ever, like at the roast this year when people were doing roast jokes and stuff, I was just like, oh, I just hope someone roasts me. I'd like, <laughs> love to be in a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is funny and interesting when it's like so personalized. You're like, oh, you yeah. listen to my set. Like, yeah. You know me a little yes. bit. And mm-hmm. and it's so funny that now that's actually, again, another kind of skill or superpower we can get where when you get made fun of, you actually love it. You're like, oh, can I have that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you you probably know David Haddad, a yeah. local comedian. He is one of my favorite like people to lean on if I need help with writing. Mm. Uh, and he loves having his lines and other people's jokes as well. It doesn't bother him at all. So <laughs> occasionally he, I'll be like, oh, I just need something that 
is, means this or says this yeah. or rhymes in this way okay. or whatever. And I'll just send it to him because I'm too lazy to come up with it for <laughs> myself. So I have this joke with him now where I'm just like, all of the things that get the biggest laugh in my set are your lines. Wow. <laughs> he's written so many good lines that I've been able to incorporate it in my larger premises. But then he's able to like and see it, like seeing it yeah, do well, but with it. you doing, yeah. you executing it. Yeah, he thinks it's great when yeah. he hears something that he, and half the time he forgets anyway that he wrote it, but like he. <laughs> he, he says, hey, great joke. And you're yeah, like, that was yours. That was actually you. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I have a joke that actually mentions him uh, talking to me about um, my, like me being a teenager in the, in the time of grunge. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I haven't done that bit for a while, but I do have this bit about how he asked me if, uh, well, Someone's oh, really yelling. Super loud, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <All right. laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, I have a joke that mentions him, and I think we're both just always so excited to be mm-hmm. like, oh, I gave you that line, or you gave me yeah, that line. Yeah, or, yeah that's it's cool. It's really fun. Were you a real punk when you were younger? Or yeah, you still? kind of. Uh, and you go to a lot of shows, right? I used to. I don't really anymore. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up with kind of the, gr- in the grunge era. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, you're wearing a Nirvana hat right yeah. now. Um, Nirvana's fir- or first big record, like, not their, anyway, their first big record, the Smells Like Teen Spirit record, came out when I was in grade 11. Never mind, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yes, never mind. <laughs> yeah, oh God, I've lost all of my knowledge. <laughs> um, and that was, like, a big time for, um, like, for Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all the bands that kind of came from that uh, scene. I was... Uh, into a lot of the more indie rock type stuff then and some of the Riot Girl bands as well at the time that was really influential Bikini Kill yeah Bikini Kill I I was a little older when that was coming around but um, but yeah by the time I was 20 like yeah it was Bikini Kill and Slater Kinney and Evans to Betsy and like just all these like Olympia Washington bands cool Um, and Sonic Youth was always a huge band for me there I think they were the first kind of like weird band that I liked okay um but then I also, I lived in Toronto and oh, yeah. there's a lot of music in Toronto and my parents are really into kind of like, or my dad especially, into like folk music and country music and stuff. So I've always liked that kind of stuff as well. Okay. So I would go to see the Tragically Hip, I would go to see Blue Rodeo, I would go to see the Cowboy Junkies and then I would also be at home listening to, you know, like Sonic Youth or um, Heavenly or Slater Kenny or whatever as well. So it's always been kind of two sides. In that. Well, I have a band to show you. One of my favorite <laughs> bands. They're an Ottawa band called The New Swears. Oh, yes. I've I know. S- oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Because so their newest <laughs> album was a country punk yes. album. Like, it was so good. And <laughs> I think one of the members of them is the contractor who fixed up our house that's before so, we put yes, it for that's, sale. That's yeah. awesome. That's mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a small world. I no, love it. No, yeah. The music scene in Ottawa is very small. Um, yeah, and so I think because of mostly because of Riot Girl, like I think most people who are like, yeah, I've been a punk for whatever, uh, got into it because of like the Ramones or uh, those kinds of bands. I've really always been attracted to music and art and writing that's done by women, and so for me, it was more of the Bikini Kill, Riot mm-hmm. Girl type of thing. And then through them, you know, they would talk about bands like uh, the Raincoats and the Slits, like from the earlier days of punk. And so I would buy those records and then those bands would reference The Clash. And so eventually I came like in a very circuitous way back to more traditional punk stuff. Um, and I, I mean, I write for a magazine called Razor Cake, which is basically like a punk, an indie punk uh, okay. magazine out of Los Angeles. 
You do? I do, yeah. Right now? Yeah. Okay. I have a column um, that is semi-regular called uh, Punk Parenthood for the Sleep Deprived. That's <laughs> okay. just being like, just parenting with kind of like a DIY punk uh, like philosophy behind it. So Cool. Um, so yeah, and a lot of the bands that that magazine covers are bands that I've been interested in. And so it's a very like kind of underground DIY punk scene. Um, cool. That's still what I like, and uh, it's still kind of how I think about things. It's the lens that I think about things through. There's a very big crossover between like punk, rock, and comedy. Yes. Like I, I've heard um, <laughs> yeah. a quote. I forget who. I don't know if it was guys from No Effects or something, where they were like, "Oh wow, like we we cut each other with like." are like weapons or knives yeah. and you cut each other with your words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is a big crossover. And, uh, one of my friends kind of from that scene, um, who was in, her name's Hallie. She was in a band called the unlovables. Okay. Her husband is Chris Gethard. Who's a comedian oh, yeah, as cool. well. Um, and I know like just within that kind of, uh, scene, there's a lot of crossover between people who do comedy and people who yeah. do music. Yeah. Um, what did that just remind me of? Uh, punk, rock, ah, whatever. I don't know. This has happened like several times on this where like, I just like, I was in the middle of thinking of something and mm-hmm. then like, as soon as you, like, the person stops talking, I'm like, well, I've just blanked out. And I, that actually <laughs> happened uh, right before the first time I met you was uh, in September on my second set at Wellington Eatery. Mm-hmm. And right before you brought me up, I was like, oh, am I forgetting everything that I just played? Like, it all yeah. went into a mush like, yes. where I'm like, I, I think I'm just about to bomb right now. And then it, I ended up not. I yeah. remembered what I was about to say, but right beforehand, I was like, oh, this is the moment right now where I'm yeah. like, what am I trying to say? I can do? never remember any of my jokes the minute before I go on stage. I'm like, oh, no? well, I guess I've forgotten all of them. Like, because I'll go through it if I'm doing a set and or it's an, if it's a newer set or... Mm-hmm. I'll like I'll probably think through that day when I'm driving or if I'm in the shower or whatever, I'll kind of be going through like joke to joke in my head. Uh, but if I try and do that right before I go on stage, it's almost like my brain is shutting me down. It's like you need a minute yeah. of clarity before you get up there because I just can't. I can never remember anything when I'm standing there. But I've just learned to not panic. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Just like breathe. Yeah, it'll come when you get up there. I try to remember like the first couple lines. And yeah. then that's about it. And like yes. from there, you'll <laughs> Yeah. And if you have a segue between, between your jokes, then that gets you to a new place. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Um, I... Oh yeah, one, just one back to books. Mm-hmm. I'd seen that um, one of the books you had written or written uh, written about. Oh, you said it was your favorite book this year, Normal People. Oh yeah, by Sally Rooney. You said that that was four hundred and forty fifth, like on the yes, wait list on at the, the library. At the library, yeah. that's insane. I know. <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that for a while. I have to say. I mean, I use like the Ottawa Public Library system is amazing because yeah. you can be like, I want this book, uh, and I want it to go to the Rideau Library for mm-hmm. me. And then when your turn comes, that book just shows up at the library for you, and you go get it. So, uh, sorry I, if I'm patronizing and explaining. No, no, it's. <laughs> I right. had to explain how this worked to Andrew Wambold once, so I just assume <laughs> I have to explain it to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, Andrew. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so I, like, that one especially, it just got, like, all this press um, at one point, and it just, like, I don't know why, but it seemed like everywhere I looked, I saw that book. Like, it was being okay. written about in the New York Times. It was being talked about on, like, Bookstagram and, like, on book blogs <laughs> yeah. and, like, uh, yeah, and so all of, so I was like, well, and for me, there's a like there's a stupid tipping point in my life where if something's too popular, I'm like, no, for sure, <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah, the more people that recommend something to me, the less I want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, that's just my like backwards contrarian punk rock thing coming through, I guess. But um, but yeah, that book it just got so much press, and I luckily got it in time before I gave up. Um, and it was so so good. Like I can't wait yeah. to read. Yeah, what's the premise? It's a it's kind of a story that takes place over a number of years about a relationship between a guy and a girl, uh, starting when they're in high school and he's very popular and she is not okay um but they know each other outside of school and they have a connection um and then they go away to university they end up at the same university and then she becomes quite popular and he his social standing kind of falls um and so they have a relationship there as well okay that goes through a lot of ups and downs and it's just like the premise isn't actually that exciting it's kind of something that most people have dealt with in their lives like an on again off again relationship but something about the writing in that book was just exquisite and it it, it was impossible to put down and it was so interesting um and yeah it's one it's an indescribable magic that particular book cool Mm -hmm. the dialogue or no great dialogue Uh, the shifting point of view between him and her was really okay. interesting because you'd oh, see okay, yeah. two perspectives on the same event. Uh, mm. And a lot of times they were really, you know, kind of screwing themselves because they weren't talking about what was going on in their relationship. Sure. And they were having different viewpoints about what the other person thought. It sounds so mundane and pedestrian when I talk about <laughs> it like this, but really, you just have to read sure. it. I think there's a lot of things like that. Magically written. I uh, There's a game I like, a board game called Ticket to Ride. And yeah. it's a game where you have this. Have you played it? I have heard about it. Yeah. Where the goal is you're trying to get like, you're trying to build like uh, trains from one spot to another across like North America. Yeah. And when you say that, like it's a train game, like that doesn't sound fun, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, the execution and the gameplay of it is fun. But mm-hmm. I find that happens a lot when you're like, they're talking about something like, yeah. I'm playing a video game where I'm a cowboy and yeah. I have to do this thing and do that. You're like, that sounds lame, but doing it is so much fun. Yeah, exactly. Or listening to a song where the lyrics are like, oh, 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 <laughs> you yeah. or whatever. And you're like, that kills me every yeah, time. Yeah. But it, if you write it down on paper, it sounds so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just remembered the thing that I forgot earlier oh, good. about punk and comedy. Uh, yeah. When I saw Pete Holmes at Just for Laughs oh, yeah. uh, and for his podcast, mm-hmm. he started off by just like talking a little bit, doing a little intro. And then he noticed that um, the microphones in front of the other chairs where the guests were going to come out were in stands. Okay. And he was like, I don't like this. And so while he was talking, he would take the microphone out of the stand, put it on the chair, and then just chuck the mic stand, like very punk rock. Like he was just, he wasn't looking where he was throwing it. And it, I looked like it almost hit people like in the front row. Like he yeah. wasn't caring. And he's like, yeah, I, th- yeah, this is like how I'm going to be. I'm like, whoa, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then later Jeff Ross happened to be just in the audience and he's like, Jeff, come on up, come on up. And so mm-hmm. Jeff just came on the stage and then he, there was a table in between the chairs that had like a little uh, um, glass, like middle centerpiece for like a table that had like water in it and like a plant. And Jeff Ross just tipped the table oh over God. and that, and then Pete's like, yeah, comedy is punk rock. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? Like there, you just, you get this like thing of like, I'm everyone's here for me yeah. and I'm super cool. I can do what I want. The event, like, and what do you think about that? I, I was so surprised to see that. It's really that never side. been my particular genre of punk rock. Like no, my genre of punk things. rock is more like, <laughs> Uh, hey, oh, you got kicked out of your house by your mm. evil money-grubbing okay. landlord? Yeah, you yeah. can come and sleep on my floor yes, and I'll yeah. make you like you know some good food that yeah. I bought from a local <laughs> farmer. So yeah. stick it to the man that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really more of my very gentle punk rock. So kind of when you're like at a show, are you ever in the mo- we are in the mosh? Oh, yeah, you for were, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, probably not for years, no, but yeah. that's more indicative of how few shows I go to and sure. what, what pitch of the <laughs> show those are. Um, but oh yeah, no, I used to be, I, I like dancing a lot. And mm-hmm. so that to me, that's part of it is being, being close, being able to move around, being like 
I'm not afraid of getting like pushed around a little bit. Sure. Uh, and I in like a, a little like friendly way. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to hurt each other. No, no. And if I someone mean, falls, you pick them right back yeah. up. Like that kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. That is like the perfect description of my kind of punk rock. That like, was the first mosh pit that I was in was at uh, Iron Maiden at Blues Fest. <laughs> wow. And my friend uh, who had been to a lot told me like the rules. So, like, hey, yeah. yeah, exactly. Not trying to hurt each other. Yeah. Trying to have fun. Yeah. And yeah, I'd pick someone up right away. And yeah. I told this to someone else. They're like, yeah, that's not normally everyone's like main rules. I'm like, so I was happy. I was taught by a good yes. person who was like, oh, we're here to have fun. Yeah, just have a good time. I know. And I always back away if it's getting like too violent or whatever. What are some of like the, the cool shows you've been to? Oh, that's interesting. Um, hmm. I've been to like, I went to so many for so long yeah. over time. Um, and so it's hard to say like exactly what sticks out, but I can... Uh, I saw Sonic Youth, I think, the last time that I saw them. Um, so I saw them several times over, like, you know, 15, 20 years, maybe, mm-hmm. of liking them. Um, and the last time I saw them was the first year that they did Oceaga in uh, Montreal. Okay. And it was, like, I think it was a little, like, cloudy and weird out. And they, it was the year all of their... Uh, <laughs> All of their equipment had been stolen, so they couldn't play any of their new, like, really off-the-wall experimental kind of music. So they played a lot of their old songs that were the ones that I loved. Okay, great, yeah. Um, So the set was just incredible, and uh, and Kim Gordon, I think, was probably upset uh, at the show. And, but it made her like her performance so fierce and it was just like it was so fantastic and beautiful cool um, I've seen Slater Kinney a lot of times over the years and uh, one that so many of them stick out but one in particular I guess when I was when I first moved to Ottawa when I was 24 mm-hmm. um, I went that summer to Olympia Washington for a music festival called Lady Fest okay um, and it was the first year that they did that there um, and that was, I guess, in, yeah, in 2000, I think. And they were kind of the big headliner at the end. And so it was just like this band where I had seen them in these tiny little clubs. And most, you know, most people I would meet didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. And then they were playing in this huge theater of all these women who had come from all over the place to be there at this space and watch this band. And we're all in love with them and all singing the words. Like that, that was very moving as well because it sort of yeah. felt like, oh... That was what actually made me write a book because I was like, all these people would want to read the book that I would write. Mm -hmm. So why don't I write the book that I want to read too? Um, Just being able to see like all these women who are into the same things. What was it about? It was about a girl. uh, It was like a a teenage coming of age story about a girl in like the riot girl movement kind of, um, or just kind of like took place in Toronto, but um, and it was not really autobiographical, but sort of the stere- the superficial elements of it. Sure. Like I grew up also in the suburbs of Toronto yeah, and loved just music. What you and know yeah, and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so she just like is this music loving um, young girl, like growing up in that environment and getting connected to kind of punk and, and learning what she wants to accept and reject about the world. Like it was that kind of thing. Cool. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And you have no plans on doing another one. It's I don't just know. That's, that was good enough for I, you said like <laughs> just challenging enough. It was it was fun and I'm glad I did it and I'm glad I have it because uh, I know a lot of people who are great writers who have just never managed to like write a novel or whatever and and to me it doesn't feel like a big deal because I did it and it was like it was fine. I mean it wasn't like you only hear about people who write a novel and it's a bestseller or it's yeah. you know influential so can we go buy or this? whatever. Uh yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know if it's still if there are any if there are a lot of copies left in print because okay. I think 
you know, there was only a certain number sure. printed, uh, a few thousand. Oh, wow. Uh, but you can get it at the Ottawa Public Library. <laughs> yeah. There's another nice. plug for the Ottawa cool. Public yeah. Library. Um, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's in libraries. It's around. It was properly published. It, um, cool. Yeah, so that was, uh, but I mean, I think I, I, w- I have other ideas that I think, like, oh, it would be cool to write a book about that. Um, but I think it has to get back to a point where I feel like it's low pressure and it's fun to actually sit down and do it. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm getting to that point now that comedy has kind of the, taken up that outlet where other people are looking at it and I'm working really hard to get better. Maybe writing would be just kind of a fun hobby again. What have been some of the best comedy shows or standout, memorable like yeah. things for you? Were they ones that you were part of or just ones that you got to see? Uh, I would say both for yeah. sure. Uh, when... When I was very pregnant, I went to see Aziz Ansari, yeah. uh, at, who, you know, we know he's gone up and down as far sure. as Falling from Grace. But uh, at the time, I, you know, I was a huge Parks and Recreation yeah. fan, and I really liked his stand-up. And so just the fact that he came here to Ottawa and was at the NAC, and mm. Chelsea Handler opened. Uh, oh, no, yeah. not Chelsea Handler. Uh, okay, I was like, that sounds surprising. Who, oh, I, okay, you'll have to edit this out, because <laughs> I don't want people to think that I <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> who am I thinking of? Chelsea uh, Peretti? Chelsea Peretti. Thank you. Okay. Yes. She, right. From Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And she wrote for Parks and Rec. She wrote for Parks yeah. and Rec. Okay. That is the right person. Yeah, yeah. She's married to Jordan Peele. You got it. Yeah. Okay. That's her. Uh, yes. So <laughs> one of the best ones was a season, sorry, uh, at the NAC and Chelsea Peretti opened for him. Okay. Uh, and that was great because I liked both of them and was excited to see their stand up. Um, last year at JFL, I just got really lucky and got to see a whole bunch of people who I loved. Um, yeah. Gina Yashere is one of my favorite comedians and she, okay. like, she just killed it. She was the best of the whole festival, cool. what I saw. Um, I've seen improv shows at UCB in New York and yeah. while I'm not like huge into improv, I, that really gave me a deep understanding of how it can be done super well. So mm-hmm. those are very memorable, those shows. Um, and then for me, there's just like. I just love doing stand-up so much um, that I pretty much always have a good time. Uh, Occasionally, if I have too many shows in a week or I have a show maybe that's in an environment that I'm not that comfortable with, I can find it a little stressful. But but I'm as happy if I'm doing like a big show for a lot of people and it goes well. Um, I'm as happy to do a small show at Swizzles where I feel like I do, you know, great for 80% of my set or something like that. Like... Um, I just I just love trying out new jokes and I like it when they work obviously yeah um, but I also love talking to other comedians and I I hear comedians talk about this constantly when they're interviewed when they're f- more famous mm-hmm. that the big thing they miss is uh, getting to hang out with other comedians because when you get really famous it's just you and maybe one other person yeah touring touring um, but that the fact it's not lost on me that they all miss being at the stage that we're at right now yeah. where we get to hang out with other comedians and have that like lovely freedom of doing that and having no that. one knows us yeah. like it's so nice yeah. just to be able to walk around and hang out yeah, yeah. It, it's super cool and you cool. can and you meet up meet those people and they're into the same things uh, yeah. that you are around comedy and it's just like uh, I'm old enough now that I can lo- I have a good perspective on things and I look at that and I think well if all the people that are doing this for a living um, want to be doing are nostalgic for the time mm-hmm. when they were doing it the way I'm doing it then yeah. I can appreciate doing it this way I don't need to that's that's super cool yeah uh, what podcast are you listening to are you, you're a fan of Pete Holmes you read his book uh, yeah I did read his book it was a little too uh, spiritual yeah. for me I would say um, and 
that's fine. I mean, it's his thing, and I kind of knew sure. it was his thing. There wasn't, I, like, I, I joked when I reviewed it, I, or when I, like, posted about it, I said, like, uh, I, you know, it was called Comedy, Sex, God. I would have liked more comedy and less God. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, uh, so, I mean, that's fine. I don't listen to him every week. I'm no, not, okay. It depends on who the guest is. Sure. Um, I really like Good One podcast where they interview a different comedian every week who about one of their jokes. Who's that? Uh, it's done by this guy, Jesse David Fox, who okay. writes about comedy. He's okay. not a comedian, um, but he's a big comedy fan. Okay. He's not the best interviewer, but he gets really good people to come in. I um, recognize that also with a lot of like podcasts yeah. where I'm like, oh, I don't like the host at all, no. but the premise is good and, they have the, and the guests are amazing, which is yeah. a weird thing to happen. He just seems to have good access to people. Yeah. Um, and even if I'm not super interested in the comic that he's talking to, usually it's interesting enough because it has a format where they play one bit or one joke. Usually it's like a longer bit. And then they just talk for an hour about okay. that. Yeah. About one bit? About one bit. <laughs> oh, my God. How it got written. And then, I mean, it, they'll branch off like, yeah. to how do you write in general yeah, yeah. or what's your experience with this. Um, but I like it because it is very comedy focused. It's not like comedians talking about something else. Um, and then it's a very niche podcast, uh, but I do really, really love um, one particular Bachelor recap podcast. Bachelor recap. Yes. You watch The Bachelor? I do. I That's surprising. Have. Yeah, it's a major part of my life. <laughs> really? <laughs> I I wish I was joking a little more. Yeah. No, I I do. I just I find I don't watch much TV, so I sort of have to pick and choose. And wow. I know I should pick something better than that. But <laughs> I watch like super high quality TV with my husband. Yeah, that's more the kind of thing he likes. And I'll like. So we've gone through all the shows you're supposed yeah, to watch, yeah. and I've enjoyed a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, if I'm just like by myself or I'm tired at the end of the day or whatever, I, you cannot beat The Bachelor. I'm all over it. It's so wow. stupid, though. Okay. And so, so, so the I people that go on it are dumb and you can't believe the it. The whole premise yeah. is stupid. Yeah. I mean, the peop- people are people. They're fine. Whatever. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, the premise is ridiculous. <laughs> it's insane that it even exists. And But I think that's one of the things like this podcast is done by comedians mm. who, uh, like me, love the show. Okay. Uh, yeah. But love to kind of hate it at the same time. Yeah. And so when I found this podcast, it's called Will You Accept This Rose? And the woman okay. that runs it is this woman, Arden Marine. She's an actress and she is also a stand-up and uh, was on Mad TV. And she's okay. now on this show, Insatiable, on Netflix and stuff. And she's really funny. And she just like collects uh, various people who she knows. She used to write, I think, for Chelsea Lately. Okay. And uh, so she knows a lot of comics who all wrote for that. So she just, like, pulls in different comedians and different actors and actresses and friends of hers um, every week to discuss the show. And you'd be surprised at how many people are big fans. Yeah? Yeah. I think Jimmy Kimmel is, like, a huge fan. I believe so. He always, like, predicts it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I find it I find it endlessly fascinating. <laughs> that is interesting. I've never <laughs> tried it. I just, I think I've seen more parodies. Well, it. yeah, it's good to have that. Um, okay. So I'm just going to go into the last segment now okay. to wrap this up. So um, the way that this works is I'm going to show you these five <laughs> ways and then you pick which way we're going to end and I'll explain which one it is. Okay. Uh, so. Don't know, repeat, repeat, be in the now, what the pod and twin thinking. Uh, I'll say what the pod. Okay, well that is, uh, it's very close to what we've actually just been doing. Okay, do um, you want to pick a different one? No, okay. no I don't. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to list off a couple random podcasts that mm-hmm. I have on my phone. Okay. And then you tell me what you think it's about. Okay. Okay, <laughs> Okay. got it. Um, Minor Adventures with Topher Grace. Oh, Minor Adventures. 
<laughs> I really wish it was he was interviewing people who work in mines all the time, but <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably not it. Is it just him like walking around being like a, a celebrity person? Uh, no, it's um, he has different like usually comedians on each episode, and okay. then they do a like activity together. Okay. So he had Pete Holmes on mm-hmm. with the guy who uh, made Dothraki from Game of Thrones, and okay. they both created they all created a language together. <laughs> oh God. Uh, he had Chelsea Peretti on, and yeah. they did the Myers Briggs personality oh, yes. test mm-hmm. uh i haven't listened to it yet but taryn killam was on and they analyzed his dreams so okay. it's just kind of like an activity with a person right and it's just kind of i don't know yeah it's a interesting idea yeah that yeah. sounds good i like uh, that they're all kind of uh like brain oriented activities yeah. rather than like we're gonna go skydiving yeah no you, but, yeah. i think that'd be hard for a podcast yeah. but i like the idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah um how about with special guest lauren lapkus Oh, I, Lauren Lapkus is often a guest on my Bachelor recap podcast. Oh, yeah? Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that one I know is, like, it's her podcast, but she has herself billed as the special guest. Is yeah. it someone, in, she has someone on, but they interview her each time? Exactly. Okay. And so the, every time the guest comes on, they play the host of whatever show they want. Okay. And so <laughs> they, uh, sometimes they're doing the first episode of their podcast as a character. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're doing the 580th podcast as a character. Okay. And then so in the moment... They say, and I'm here with this guest for right. this podcast. And then she has to play the character that, she, that they say oh, she is wow. in, okay. on the spot of whatever topic this they have. This is so stressful to it me. Is, it is insanely, that yeah. it's such a good podcast. Yeah. yeah, I'd recommend that one. Oh, that's so funny. It's cool. And then maybe I'll just do one more. Okay. Um, how about Entry Level with Brooks Whelan? Oh, I don't know anything about that. Is it uh, is it work related? Exactly. Okay. So it's uh, Brooks Whelan interviews uh, comedians and he asks them about their jobs that oh. they had. So first job okay. that yeah. they had all the way up until they got successful. Oh, that's interesting. And it is really interesting. I love that. Uh, it's it's really uh, cool. Where he has people call, he has send in emails about their crappy jobs, mm-hmm. and you just get to hear about all these delinquent comedians stealing from their places <laughs> usually and getting fired or. Oh. Or whatever. And it's, uh, again, I'd say a good listen. Yeah. Well, work is terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and one way that I like to end that I've been doing with comedians has been it, one time I was running to a show and I dropped my set list on the ground. And <laughs> if someone found it, yeah. they, would, they would think it's the notes of a crazy person. Right. If you dropped yours on the street, what yeah. might be a set list? Like what might be some of the words that someone <laughs> found on that piece of paper? Well, yeah, I was just doing, I tried to write just one word for yeah. each bit and uh, and I had my my set for the YX competition and it was a different order than normal. Okay. So I had I put it on the on the table for my husband and I was like, I'm just going to say this list of words. Yeah. You just tell me if I say them in the right order. Okay. Um and I think it was something like um bike chain Now I can't imagine what it will sound like altogether. So bike chain <laughs> Jesus um, enjoy barfer work divorce uh, mushrooms awesome <laughs> it's like the weirdest to-do list yeah exactly that's what I would think other people would look at that yeah. like, what is this person's day yeah, like yeah this is a weird to-do list with this person but yeah I always uh, I think the first time I left this because I have this joke about how um someone told me that my husband and I should to make our relationship stronger like stand and hold each other for three minutes when okay. we get home every day okay. and like the punchline to that joke is you know it taught me a lot it taught me that I would rather get a divorce <laughs> than have to do that shit every day 
And uh, so that I just abbreviate as divorce. And the yeah. first time my husband saw a notebook lying around with yeah. just divorce written in big letters, <laughs> he was like, what is this? <laughs> Do you have something you need to talk to me <laughs> it's about? It's a joke. Yeah, it's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on. Thank you. And uh, I'll see you around. <laughs> I don't know how to end these. You need a catchphrase. Catchphrase out. Okay. Bye. <laughs>